Hi, this is John Hemminghouse speaking for the Beacon of Hope broadcast, the ministry of Calkins Baptist Church near Milanville, Pennsylvania. If you've been tuning into our program over the last several months, you may recall that we have been studying through the messages that Jesus Christ preached during his public ministry on earth. Today's Sermon of Christ contains very possibly our Lord's most unusual parable, often called the parable of the unjust steward. What makes this parable so unusual is the fact that this crooked, dishonest caretaker is praised by his master in the story, and Christ applies the parable by saying that the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. What did Jesus mean by this statement? Further, why did Jesus hold up a crooked employee as an example to his followers? One thing we know is that our Lord would never encourage sin or deceit, so he must have had another purpose in mind. Let me simply say that when you come to the point that Jesus is making, this unusual story will powerfully drive home a vital lesson you need to hang on to if you're to live for Christ in this world. If you'd like to follow along with today's study of this unusual parable, you can find Christ's words in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16 starting at verse 1. This is a message of Christ that Pastor Jones is entitled, Using Your Possessions for Eternal Good. Well, it's good to be with you again for another Beacon of Hope broadcast. And um, if you are following in your Bible, you could turn to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be looking primarily at verses 1 to 13. And one of the most unusual uh, parables, I think maybe the most unusual parable that Jesus ever told, the parable of the unjust steward. Tremendous truth behind it. Uh, really deals with the issue of using your possessions for God's eternal glory and eternal good. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. But while you're maybe flipping there, I want to just tell you a little story about a preacher that went to see a farmer one day. And um, he said to the to the farmer, he said, you know, he said, if you had two farms, Bill, do you think you think you'd give one of them to God? And Farmer Bill thought about it a little bit, and he said, You know, I, I think I would, preacher. Well, the pastor said, Well, Bill, what, do you, what if you had two thoroughbred horses? He said, Do you think you'd give one of them to God? And uh, Bill thought about it again, and he said, You know, preacher, I think I would. Well, the preacher continued. He said, well, Bill, if, do you think if you had two pigs? The guy stopped him. Bill stopped him right there. He said, now, preacher. Now, he said, you, you know I have two pigs. And boy, if it, isn't that the way it is, that sometimes we think that we uh, have surrendered our possessions to God until it comes right down to actually how we use them. And so Jesus is going to talk to us about this. Now, before, also before we get started, I want to point out something else if you um, study your Bible. Particularly, you'll see this a little easier if you have one of those Bibles that is a, a red-letter Bible. Uh, because what you find is in this section of the Gospel of Luke, Luke makes sure that we understand who Jesus is speaking to in several of these sections. It really starts in chapter 15 of his Gospel, and right around verse 1, it's when Jesus was being criticized by the um, religious leaders of his day. And in in verse 3, it says, So he spoke this parable to them, the people who were criticizing him. And if you remember, we talked about this last week, Jesus then gives three parables, the parable of the lost uh, coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, in answer to his critics who were, uh, who were 
uh, leveling their criticisms against the Lord because of his willingness to have uh, sinful people, irreligious people come and listen to him. He was even willing to eat with them. Then when you get to chapter 16 and verse 1, which is where we're starting today, Luke lets us know that Jesus is changing who he's speaking to. He says he also said to his disciples. And so what we're looking at today is what Jesus was primarily addressing to his disciples or his followers, people who were actually hopefully people of faith uh, who had trusted him as the, the Messiah and were trying to follow him. Uh, then in verse 14 of the same chapter, we're not going to only just briefly mention this possibly at the end. It says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard these things and they derided him. And then verse 15 says, and he, Jesus said to them. So we see that the audience change again. It's, it's like Jesus speaking again to his critics. Then he's turning and talking to his disciples. Then he's being criticized again. So he turns and talks to his critics again. Then when you get to chapter 17, it changes again. It says, then he said to the disciples, his followers again. So you find that very interesting. It might actually help you to understand a little bit more of what Jesus is saying um, in its context. But when we come then to this uh, part, chapter 16, the first 13 verses, Jesus is addressing his followers and he'll be talking to them on the issue of how you use your, uh, your possessions, your money. And so uh, before we get started, let's ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, give us grace as we look into your word and understanding of it. May we uh, not only understand Christ's parable and what he has to say through it, but then how it applies to our lives and our individual situations right now. We know your word is timeless, that it speaks to us today. And so we ask that you will do that very thing through your spirit and through your truth. And we just rejoice at this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, it's easy to think of possessions that God has given you as yours instead of thinking of them as God's. And it's easy to think of what you can do with your possessions for yourself instead of thinking of what you can do with your possessions for God's kingdom. But the truth is, is you are a steward, not an owner of the possessions God has given you. And what's the difference? A steward is someone who's taking care of something for someone else. Whereas the owner is the person, obviously, who has put the uh, effort in or has the power in order to procure uh, the possessions. Let's take let's take a, a mansion, and here's a person, and they have uh, they've they've you know done the research and they've bought this expensive mansion. Maybe it's a number of acres on it. Well, they and then this even happens in our area. They will then hire caretakers. Uh, stewards who will make sure that the property is well cared for and and upkeep is made on the buildings even when they're not there. Uh, I remember hearing about a, a man who was a caretaker for a place, a uh, beautiful place, and, and actually it was one of those things that was open to the public. And so an individual had come and, and was looking through, was so impressed by that, and he saw one of the caretakers out in the, um, in the flower bed, I believe, as the story goes, and he went up to him and he talked to him a little bit about how beautiful the place was. And so he said, so um, how often does your does the owner of the place come? He says, I've never seen him. He said, so you're, you're taking such a you know good care of this place. He said, well, do you know uh, if he is going to come anytime soon? He said, I, I have no idea when or if he's coming. I just want it to be prepared in case he ever does. And that's a great picture of we as Christians. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. If you talk to anybody who thinks they do, 
Um, they're honestly they, they don't know what they're talking about. The Lord said um, that no man knows the day nor the hour. But we ought to live our lives in such a way that whether Christ returns or he comes for us through death, we're ready to meet him. So the target audience is clearly his disciples. So remember that Jesus had just been speaking mainly to his enemies who were criticizing the fact that he would spend time with irreligious and sinful people. And now Christ turns and is talking to his followers. And um, so we come now to this unusual parable. And uh, let's go ahead and read it. It says, verse 1 of Luke 16, He said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had, he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He was faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your, to you, your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me just start out by saying that mammon is physical possessions. It's it's uh, the things of, of this life. So we have this unusual parable of the unjust steward. And let's just break it down and talk about it and see if we can understand what Jesus, the point that Jesus is trying to make. Well, let's notice, first of all, the big problem for the steward. Um, his master had heard that he was wasting the goods entrusted to him. Um, where he got that um, information, we're, we're not told exactly, but it says there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So someone told on the steward that he was not taking care of the goods that were entrusted to him. And so his master announced that he was going to fire the steward. He says in verse 2, so he called him to him and he said, what is this that I hear of you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. So the master must have felt like that this, uh, these accusations were credible enough that there was no way the steward was going to, um, going to be able to stay on. Matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. Do, uh, you could ask yourself, well, do you think the accusation was accurate? Uh, and I will tell you, I believe it absolutely was accurate that this guy was uh, somehow cheating on his master. And the reason why is because of what the steward says to himself next. Verse 3, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? 
for my master is taking the stewardship away from me. Now, um, we're going to see later, as you, if you recall when I just read the uh, parable, that the guy is going to actually cheat his master even at the end. But what you also see is he's clearly uh, understanding that he's going to have to give an account. It sounds like he's almost going to have to do an audit of, of what he's been doing, that the master is going to he asks for all of the things to be brought in. He says, I want you to... Um, uh, I, w- I want you to give an account of your stewardship. I want you to tell me what's been going on. And this individual knows that it's not going to go well. He's not expecting to be exonerated. So evidently he was crooked. Um, and he did not like his options for future employment. Um, that is, he did not have the, uh, he says, I cannot dig. And it's kind of interesting. The word cannot has the idea of strength. And so he's saying, I'm not strong enough to, to dig or to do manual labor. So it's not like he says, I can go out and, uh, you know, join a work crew. Um, and he says, I, I, I don't want to beg. He had enough uh, sense of, uh, of personal pride that he just, just really couldn't see himself as going out and begging for food. He must have been probably maybe an older man who wasn't wasn't strong enough to work manually and sure didn't want to be out there begging for food. And so um, he's he's not got some good options here. He, he, he knows it's not going to go well. He's not going to be exonerated. He's, he's not liking uh, his chances for future employment, and he really doesn't want to be a, become a beggar. Um, now, what's what's he going to do? Well, he he's reasoning with himself, and um, he he's, he comes up with a plan. He says, "I have resolved what to do." Okay, here's what I've come up with: when I am put out of the stewardship, so he knows he's losing his job, that they may receive me into their houses. Now, who are the they? Well, it becomes pretty obvious that these are people who he has access to, who are part of the um, people who owe the master. And so he doesn't have a lot of time left, and he really doesn't have um, um, a lot of, necessarily a lot of resources, but he did still have access to his master's assets in the form of, of the debts that people owed the master that, that he was uh, had some say over. And so he calls those people together and he's, he's going to try to take advantage of the one avenue he's still got uh, to prepare for the future. He could use his fleeting control over his master's assets to make friends. To, in, 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 even in an unjust way, he could help people out so that they would help him later. Now, is Jesus, by the way, in any way giving credence to a man cheating his master? No, he is not. And you will find he will say that. But it's rather interesting. Let me back up and just go over the main points that we're seeing here. This guy did not expect he was going to be exonerated, but he does believe in a coming judgment. He does not like his options for the future. And he doesn't want the the worst option that could come to him at this point, which was begging. He did have access. It was fleeting, but he had access to his master's assets still, and he could use his fleeting control over his master's assets to make friends. Now, thinking about that for a second, I want you to ask yourself, um, 
what assets has God, because the Lord could be like a master here. We could, we could plug him into that spot. What assets has God given me? It's rather interesting. Uh, when I first preached this message, and it really it would work a lot better when you could see a, a PowerPoint of this, but uh, I found a picture of a man pushing a cart. And uh, basically what the cart said, what the picture said was cart of possessions. And the ideas that seem to be behind this is this man was pushing uh, all of the earthly possessions that he had in this cart. And I began to think about that. You know, if God is has given me everything I possess, and you say, well, where do you get that? Well, James 1.17 tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. Romans 11 verse 36 says, For of him of God and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You know, we like to think, and, and I understand this to a certain degree, we like to think of ourselves that, that um, uh, you know, I've, I've had to take personal responsibility and I've had to make my own way. And that's the way, uh, really, that this country has been. Um, some people are, are criticizing that reality, but quite honestly, although there is no perfect system, um, the system that the United States has been built upon has has created greater prosperity not for all people uh, than any other system. I'm talking about the capitalistic system of basically risk and reward, where a person is, the harder you work, that you tend to prosper more. And so as if you're willing to risk assets, as there's no guarantees, but many times you do get a reward if you work hard and you do a good job and you provide a service that in some way blesses other people, you tend to find um, that, that you will prosper. And that prosperity is not something that is only that only falls upon you, but it falls upon those that you help because you're providing some kind of service is typically how you make the money. And then secondly, those then, as your business grows, that you're going to hire and raise their standard of living. So it's not a perfect system. There are definitely flaws because of human nature and because of our man, our, our sin nature and, and greed and selfishness. But as far as the systems of the world go, there's no question historically that the capitalistic system has provided more prosperity and, and helped more people come out of poverty than any other system on earth. Um, however, um, we know that uh, uh, everything comes from God ultimately, that my health, my, my mind, my, my abilities all came from him, even who my parents were. And, and whether it was a good family situation or a rough one, uh, God had a purpose in why he put me where he put me, the country that I grew up in. Um, all of these things were things that he determined. I didn't determine them. I didn't determine who my parents were going to be, what country I'd be born in, what generation I would be born in. God did all of these things. And so if you can picture the man pushing a cart for just a moment, uh, think of what things God has allowed you to have in your cart. Now, let me just um, give you a few of those things. Uh, let's just say, first of all, life. If you're listening to me, um, and you, God has given you life. He's given you a mind. If you, again, if you're able to listen and comprehend, God has given you a mind. Not everybody has the same abilities mentally. Uh, 
but God has given you a mind. God has given you time. And we don't know how long that time on earth is, but time and life are almost really the same. But that time is in that cart. Then you have your health. Now, you may have good health. You may have been, uh, God may have provided you with poor health. You may have ruined your health on your own choices, but God is, that, that's in the cart too. Some of you have, God has given you a spouse. Others, that, that's not in your cart. God has not provided that as of yet. Um, maybe you're, or maybe you had a spouse and that spouse died or there's been a breakup, but you might have the spouse. You may not in the cart. What about children? Same idea. You may have children. You may not have children in that cart. A job, uh, many of you would. Some of you wouldn't have that in your cart. Uh, physical abilities. All of us have something that God has given us the ability to do. Uh, physically, uh, many times, sometimes, sometimes in, in rare cases, uh, there may be a person that has no physical abilities because of, again, their health and that's not in their cart. But for many of you, there is. How about friends? You know, you're, again, this is another thing that comes from God. Good looks, some of you may have been given that. Maybe that's in your cart. Uh, for people like myself, any good looks that you were given at one time are pretty well faded away. Uh, food may be in that cart. Um, talents may be in that cart. Some of you have the ability, just a, a really a God-given ability to sing or a God-given ability to speak or a God-given ability to work on cars and to figure out mechanical issues or figure out as a doctor the issues of the body. These are talents that God gives. Maybe in your cart is a certain amount of money. Maybe some of you have nothing, but others, in all probability, you have money, and not maybe to varying degrees. Some of you may have a house in that cart. Some of you may not. Some of you may have a car. Some of you may have a good reputation or a bad one, but that would be in the cart in some form. Your influence would be in the cart in some form. You could put other things. These are just a few. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, but I've seen footage. Uh, I do enjoy historical uh, documentaries, and specifically World War II is something that we would watch as a family uh, when our kids were growing up. And um, you would see sometimes people pushing a cart and it may not have all of their possessions, what, but if they were fleeing, say their city was about to be overrun by the enemy. And so they, they would uh, put in that cart, not necessarily everything they owned, but the things that were most important to them. And I ask you this, if you were in that spot where you are, um, you're only able to put so many things in your cart, and you've got to get away. Um, what would go in there? Or what, even more importantly, what would stay out? What would not be something that you would consider essential? Well, the things that I listed, some of them are in um, are not material things like your, your health or your time. But if, if those took up some room in your cart, you certainly would want them, would you not? You'd want your mind. If you could, you'd want your physical abilities. You certainly should want to take your spouse or your children if God has given them to you. What things What things would be optional? Well, you know, your money would be optional, would it not? Maybe you had this gold bullion, and certainly it would be nice to hang on to that to provide for your family wherever you go. But if it's between your gold or your kids, if both can't fit, I pray you'd take your kids. Uh, again, the house might go, the car um, certainly, uh, especially if, if you can't use it to carry your stuff, if you, um, the car is going to go. Um, th- there are, but what, what has God put 
in your cart? What has God given you? And, and specifically, what material things has God given you? Has he given you a house? Has he given you a car? Has he given you money? Has he given you... Uh, these are things that honestly are the first things that we would drop off if we had to, if we had to make a choice. They're the least of the most important things. And yet, tragically for many, they become the most important things. And and we sell our relationship with God or we, or, or we really forget about the importance of living for eternity because we're focused on things that really aren't going to matter. Things that once we get on the other side of eternity, we're going to see, well, they may have given uh, some some joy to our life while we were here, but they really are, are things that did not matter. So what does, the, what does this um, have to do with, with this steward? Well, what he sees is he sees judgment is coming. He sees it's not going to go well. And so what he does is he begins to prepare for the judgment he knows is about to take place. And so he makes some shrewd actions, really immoral actions, but shrewd for his situation to prepare for his upcoming loss of his job. So what did he do? Well, first of all, he wisely used his remaining time. And what did he use his time on? Making friends. Isn't that interesting? He also used his remaining resources. He didn't have a lot because the master's going to call for him in just a few days or maybe even even a day. Doesn't have a lot of time. Um, the resources are, are really not his. They're only available to him, just like the resources that God has put in our carts are really not ours. They really are his. Sometimes we get mad at God. Well, God, why did you take the, my uh, car away? Why did I have that car accident? God, why did my house burn down? Lord, why did one of my children um, uh, die or lose their health? Why did my spouse leave me? The truth is, is that God has blessed us with different things in the cart, but they were really his all along. And for you or I to get mad and angry with God over things that that uh, he takes away from us, and let's be honest too, we can also ruin the things in our cart. We can take good health and throw it away on drug abuse or alcohol abuse or 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 cigarettes. We can we can do that. We can ruin a relationship because that God has given us because of our, uh, our, our meanness and unwillingness to forgive. So what does the, what does this uh, steward do in preparation for a meeting that he knows he's going to have with the master? Well, we know that he's going to use his time wisely to make friends. He also uses those resources. Now, what does he do with them? Well, he still has access to his master's bills. He still is responsible. He's got some bills that are owed to his master. And so he still had access also to his master's debtors. And so here's this unusual example for you and I as God's children and in, in verse 8. And so let me go back and read it to you. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll start back at um, uh, verse 5. He says, So he called every one of his master's debtor to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Now this, again, is dishonest, obviously. He said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. Now then you have this unusual statement by Jesus. So the master commended the unjust steward because he he dealt shrewdly. 
Now, he's not commending his immoral actions. He's saying, you know, that was actually fairly smart what he did. And then Jesus makes this statement, the sons of this world, speaking about those who do not know God, do not have Christ as their Savior, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light, the children that do know the Lord. Now, why would Jesus say they're more wise in their generation than the people who truly are followers of God? Well, what did then the unjust steward do that was wise? Well, he saw a future judgment and saw that he was going to be found guilty. Now, that, by the way, should be something that is similar with every one of the true children of God. Every one of us who come to Christ as Savior come to that conclusion, and that is, I'm going to stand before God one day, my Maker, I'm going to stand before Him one day, and in my own righteousness, it is not going to go well. I have sinned repeatedly against God. I deserve his unending wrath in hell. And I need I need to accept Christ as the Savior. I cannot save myself. That is something that all of us who are saved have to come to. But there's a second thing this man did. And this is why he was more wise than tragically many people who know the Lord today. And that is he used the resources that were still available to him to prepare for his future. Now, in what way did he do that? Well, again, he used the resources to make friends, to influence people. You've heard of Dale Carnegie's book, um, How to was it, Make Friends and Influence People. Well, in, in some ways, that's what this man is doing. He, he is making friends of his master's debtors. Now, in what way... Are we as born-again Christians stewards of God? Well, obviously, everything that God has put in our cart, if you belong to Christ, everything that God's put in your cart belongs to him. Now, if you don't know Christ, that's true of you too, every, every good thing that you've been given. But you may not acknowledge that. Remember, Jesus is not talking to the lost here. He's talking to his disciples, his followers. And so he's expecting us to understand, and a lost person may not get this, but a saved person should, and that is every good thing I have comes from God. He owns it all. I am just a caretaker of that. Now, let me give you some a couple of verses of Scripture here from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, that really show you what, um, what, what I mean by this. It says, As each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, there's that word steward again. The idea is God has given you as a Christian a gift, maybe more than one. And you are the caretaker of that gift. You need to use it for God and his glory. Okay, now he breaks it down into two major categories in verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. He says, okay, there's some people that God gives the spiritual gift of being able to speak and teach his word. And you need to do that, notice, as of the oracles of God, as of the Lord, the, the very utterances of God. You need to speak the truth. You need to speak God's word if God has given you the ability to speak his word. You need to speak God's word, and you need to speak it with authority and truth. And, and there are certain individuals that God gives that ability uh, to. Now, they may use it in, in uh, many different ways. You can use it as a Sunday school teacher. You could use it as a, a missionary. You could use it uh, as a, a, a preacher like myself. You could use it um, in a, 
um, maybe teaching a Bible study or, or doing um, uh, children's work, working with teenagers. But the idea is if God has given you the ability to teach others his word, you need to do that and you need to speak God's word with authority. Don't, not, not to be your own words, not to be your own ideas, but understand and study what God has to say and proclaim that and don't back off that. That is the job of someone that God has given the ability to speak. But there's another major category. He says, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, what does he mean to minister? Well, that's the idea of of, of helping or serving other people. Now, often they call pastors, ministers, and by the way, we ought to be. But what what that means is really to be a servant. It means to serve and help others. But if if you, as a a Christian, you may not have the ability to to speak in front of a group of people, and maybe that's not your, your, your particular talent, but you have been given then an ability to serve, to help people in some way. And I would just... I would just beg you to use that gift. You don't know how much help it is to come to church on a snowy day or maybe it's been a snowy week and someone has been there and cleaned off the uh, walkways and made it safe for people to come in and out of the church. And I've been on both sides of that. I've been in situations where as a pastor you come and there was nobody that came. No one really helped or thought of that. And, and again, people are busy, different situations happen, but there's definitely been times when you come to church and, and okay, now it's my turn to serve in that capacity, which is fine. But it sure is a blessing when you come to a church on a snowy morning and someone thought of that. There can be uh, uh, Christian people and, and uh, uh, maybe your, uh, your gift again isn't speaking in front of people, but when someone comes through the door of the church, there you are as a friendly face. And used to be years ago, you could have your face exposed anymore. We wear masks and, and anymore we can't shake hands like we used to. But the idea is someone's there to greet and to say, hey, we're glad you're here. Can that make a difference in a person's life? Person who's friendly? How about the person who, again, maybe your ability isn't to speak in front of people, but you notice that, that maybe an older saint was missing from church today. And you, you call them during the week and just check on them and say, hey, how you doing? And take a few minutes to talk to them. Maybe it's a widow or widower. Maybe it's a, a, a different person who's been suffering. And you, you, you know the situation. You know they're probably hurting. And it's not that you try to um, pry, but you do call them and show interest and, and let them know they're loved. You think that makes a difference? How about the person that uh, maybe then, and I, I've got some of these people in my church like this too, or uh, has some knows some people that, that they're not able to to mow their lawn or or take care of their house like they once were. Maybe it's again a widow or someone who just doesn't have uh, the health to do it, and and you're able then to bring your mower over or or bring your paint can over and minister to that person. Often opportunities to share the gospel of Christ come when people simply exercise their abilities that God has put in their cart. Some of you are great uh, with fixing cars. I am not. Have you ever thought of that as a possible ministry to help people? 
here's you know a group of people in your church and maybe they have um, some issues with their car. Or maybe just even going over and spending time with a guy who's lonely because uh, maybe his wife left him or, or he's an empty nester now and his kids are gone. Ministering and helping each other is a tremendous blessing and, and it comes out of that cart that you're a caretaker of. Has God given you the time? Everybody doesn't have time to, to uh, take two hours to go and work on somebody's uh, vehicle. Some people are just, their, biz, their, their job is just so taxing that, that their daylight hours are gone. But some of you, in your cart right now, you have extra time. Are you going to invest that? Again, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's health. You've got, you've got good health. Maybe you're an older saint. God has blessed you with good health, but you know, there's some people that don't have it. And, and you want to, uh, again, maybe it used to be you could get in the nursing home, you could go visit them. Now you can't do that. Maybe you can call them on the phone. Um, has God given you the ability to cook? Boy, I'll tell you what, I, I know a, a guy that's lost his wife right now and, and, um, doesn't know how to cook. And yes, the meals on wheels are coming and things of that nature, but, uh, be quite honest, a good cooked meal sure tastes good for some people like that. You say, well, well, I don't really have the ability to cook. Has God given you a car? Have you thought about using your vehicle as uh, to help people get to church that maybe don't have a ride? Maybe it's a child that their parents don't come yet. Or maybe it's a, um, I know a, a dear brother who uh, right now his car was broken down and was not able to get to church for uh, several weeks. Um, sometimes, again, this falls through the crack. Maybe God's given you money. Have you thought about the possibility of of helping um, uh, of helping others with that money? Remember, years ago there was a uh, a young lady who was uh, struggling with her college bill, and good godly young young lady. And my wife and I began several years ago, oh, probably twenty years ago. I saw a passage in Deuteronomy that really encouraged me that that um, I ought to set aside. Um, a second uh, tithe, so to speak, of, of money that would just be set aside on a regular basis so we would have some extra money in order to give toward different people who around us were needed. And, and so it wasn't something that we had to dig out, you know, uh, the last second. It would be something that we were setting aside. And sometimes we would try to do it very privately. Um, other times you'd, you'd have to give it to the person directly. Well, this one young lady was, was struggling with her college bill. And it was a blessing uh, to be able for my wife and I to give a little bit every month. And I don't know that it made a huge difference uh, financially, but I think it made an encouragement difference. And she she finished her degree and and has been very grateful for the little bit that we could help her. Um, maybe you could help a young person go through a, 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 a Christian school. Um, or you could um, help someone um, who is, again, struggling, maybe can't afford the repairs on the car. Um, what can we use our resources? Do we look at them as merely ours? Or do we realize, I am a steward. If you belong to Christ, that's the attitude you need to have. I'm a steward. Because the truth is, as a Christian, all my possessions belong to God. Now, 
Um, God is the master of all. My position as God's child comes from him. All my possessions come from him. I am a steward of the talents, the opportunities, the time, the blessings that God has given me. And if I would only see it that way and use the fleeting time I have to invest, that's where the unjust steward was so much wiser than many of God's children is he at least used the last time that he had and put it to good use so he could prepare for, for, after, for, the, for after the judgment. So are you believing like the unjust steward uh, believed? Are you behaving like he behaved? For what failure uh, was the unjust steward being fired? He, well, he had wasted and squandered what the master had given him to manage. And maybe you've taken the assets that God's given you and you've squandered a lot of them right now. But you still have time. And what happened when the when the unjust steward realized, hey, I'm going to be standing before my master and it's going to be soon. He changed. He, he got up and did something. Maybe he hadn't worked for a long time. Maybe he just been lazy with his master's assets. But will you, if you are a child of God, if you belong to Jesus Christ, will you stand up and say, you know what, I don't know. I don't know how much time I have before I stand before my master, but he's given me a lot of things in my cart and I need to use them for his glory. Are you using your fleeting access to God's assets that he gave you to bless others and prepare for eternity? Or are you more foolish than the unjust steward? And some of you might be thinking, wow, I've never thought of my possessions, all of them, as belonging to God. I've never thought of it like a God putting these things in my cart and now I'm responsible for them as a steward. So if you're like me, um, I used to think that my just my tithe or my offerings to God, on top of that, I thought I, I tried to give generously. I thought after that the money was mine and I was just pleased, whatever I pleased I could do with it. But you know, um, God taught me a lesson and that is no, you know, all that you have belongs to me. And that has been a really good lesson for me to learn. And and I'm not uh, understanding it perfectly and applying it perfectly, but I will tell you, it has been a great encouragement to me. And even thinking about the assets that God has given me when I studied this message and when I've been working on it again, even uh, for the radio, it's just an encouragement to realize, you know, God has put things in my cart and I need to use them. Here's Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Forsake all that he has, what does that mean? That means turn over the ownership of all that you have to God. Just let him use it for his glory, his eternal glory. Now, what's the powerful conclusion of this parable? Well, you find it in verse 9. He says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. So use your possessions to make friends, to actually bless people. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So the idea is your management over the possessions God has given you should allow you to make friends, to actually be a blessing to people around you in God's name. Don't do it in your own name. Do it in the Lord's name. Now, we're not going to be like the unjust steward and cheat. What we do need to do, I would encourage you to pray about using the resources and the abilities and the talents that God has given you to bless others. Some of you are, are athletic, and God has given you a great understanding of athletics. Can I encourage you to use that for the glory of God? Not just so that you can build a championship team and get get all the glory. No, use it for God's glory. Use it to influence young people. 
Use your abilities to to uh, to reach out and 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 to love people in the name of Jesus. Tell them about the Lord as you're coaching them. Uh, now, so when you fail or when you die, or or you can also look at this as when it fails, when when the things that that are on this earth all, all pass away, that you have something eternal that you that you have reaped from the physical things that God has given you, and even from the mental, um, the non-material things that God has given you. Now, think about it. Teaching Sunday school or vacation Bible school or junior church or a teen group, you have no idea the impact that can have on a young person. If you'll love them, and if you'll be kind to them and speak the truth to them, um, or giving to a missionary, you may never see the people they reach. But what the Lord is, is telling us is that when you get to heaven, if you've invested your resources into being a blessing to others in the Lord's name, have used them for God's eternal glory, you're going to have people in heaven greeting you and thanking you for what you did to be a blessing to them. Maybe you can help an older couple or a widow in their affliction. Who will be in heaven for uh, uh, for and, and to greet you one day and say thank you for ministering to me? When I was when I was old and when I was feeble, thank you for for reaching out to me when I was lonely. Can you teach a Bible study? You'll never know where those seeds go. Can you help give to a Christian school maybe and and help them to educate more children? What a blessing that would be! You may never meet those kids on this side of eternity, but the Lord says in heaven you're going to run into those people that you blessed by using the resources that God gave you. Now there's some important principles. They start at verse ten. He was faithful in that which is least. And that's our physical possessions. Those are the things that if we were determining what's in the cart, we would we would put the, the money and these other things on a much lower level than our children, our spouse, our, our health. He's saying if you're not faithful in that which is least, um, you are, are not going to be faithful in much. So he's saying you've got to be faithful in that which is, is least. If you're faithful in the least things, the things to deal with finances and possessions, then you'll be faithful in the big things. He says, but if you're unjust in the things which are least, you'll be unjust also in much. And how true that is. So if you're faithful with the least valuable things, you'll be faithful with the valuable things. But if you're unfaithful with possessions, if you've got to hang on to them for yourself and you only think of, of yourself, you're not. God's not going to trust you with the most important things the things that are really going to impact eternity. Let me ask you, what's the least valuable of the possessions God has given you as a Christian? Let me remind you that some of your possessions as a child of God are are eternal life and peace and joy and personal relationship with God. They're a lot more important than your money. They're a lot more important than your car. Don't live for those things. Live for the things that are going to be most valuable. And let and, and trust God and utilize whatever possessions he's put in your cart for his glory. Because if God has entrusted you with money or possessions, and are, are, you, are you faithfully using these assets with the knowledge that they're his and to be used for his glory? Now, there's also some logical conclusions here. Uh, first one is unfaithfulness with God's money disqualifies you from being trusted with God's riches with the important things. He says in verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon in possessions, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And and then in verse 12, he says, unfaithfulness with God's possessions disqualifies you from leadership in his kingdom. He says, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Why would God bless you in eternity if you're not willing 
to serve him faithfully now. So there's a major application. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and your possessions at the same time. You can't. You can't put both of them in the cart at the same time. If you have been blessed with a relationship with God, put him first. He's worth so much more than anything you could hold in your hand. And if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior because you're trying to hang on to the possessions and you and you realize, and it's true, that, hey, when I become a Christian, God owns everything about me. He owns me and everything I have. That's true. Now, that doesn't mean he's always going to ask you to give it away. But it does mean this. He has the right to do that. So, yes, God could ask you for everything you have, could take everything in that card away, could do that for the Christian or for the non-Christian. But is what you're hanging on to, is that really worth the eternal things? I'll submit to you it is not. I'll give you some questions here as we try to wrap this up. First of all, why do you think Jesus addressed this message on using possessions for God specifically to his followers? Why didn't he do that to the lost? I think because, first of all, God does not need the unsaved man's money. And if you think that, he can take it whenever he wants to. Matter of fact, Proverbs 13 and verse 22 says, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So God is going to take possession one of these days and use it for his kingdom. Uh, He doesn't need your money. He really owns it anyway. And I think a second thing is, unsaved people tend to think that they can buy their way into heaven, and you can't. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a very religious man in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so the Lord doesn't want the unsaved person to try to buy his way in. It's not going to happen. Some unsaved people think that if they come to God, he will demand all their money. And and so Jesus, again, does not address them. And I'm I'm not in any stretch going to say that God is going to demand all your money, but I will say this, he owns it all. And when you come to know him, you'll understand that. He's got the right to do whatever he wants to. Number four, only God's people truly understand why God would be the master over all that they possess. And so the Lord addresses this specifically to his children. This idea of the unjust steward, hey, invest what you have been given by your master. Number two, what if you're not God's child? Well, if this message does not apply to you other than facing Two realities, um, so you need to pay attention to these two things. Number one, if you're rejecting God for your possessions, you are making a very foolish choice because they are the least valuable of the things you possess, and they will all be lost one day. But if you accept Christ as Savior, he expects you to realize that all you have and all you are belong to him, and all that's in your cart, actually, that's good, came from his hand. So what if you are a child of God? Well, being faithful with the possessions he has given you is the least area of your life that you should that should be surrendered to him. That's like kindergarten in the in in your Christian growth. So using your possessions for God's kingdom also, it can be exciting. What might the Lord lead you to do as you consider what he would have you to do with what he's put in your cart? Your talents, your abilities, your time, your 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 possessions. What could God do with your things if you realized and really surrendered them to him? And who would be welcoming you to heaven if you're faithful to use what God has put in your cart for his eternal glory? 
Now, I'll ask you one more question. What is your reaction to Jesus' words here? Pretty interesting parable, isn't it? Now, I, I, I pray if you're a child of God that you've thought about this and that this is really making an impact on how you're going to view your possessions and your life for the Lord. But if you don't know him, your reaction might be very different. And let me read the next verse and see if it's similar to this one. It says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things, and they derided him. You see, if you really love your money and you really don't love God, you're going to hate what Jesus said. What was your reaction? It'll tell you a lot about where you're at spiritually. Father, bless these folks who have listened, we pray. Our Lord's words are so different and so challenging. Um, Lord, you've put a number of things in each of our carts, and it's different for each of us. Different measure of health, different measure of time, different measures of opportunity, of talents, of finances, of possessions, all kinds of things. Lord, you've blessed us with these different, different various things in our carts. I pray that you would help those who are not saved to realize that whatever's in the cart is going to be taken from them one day. They're going to stand before the master as an unjust steward and unprepared to meet him. And I pray that you might convict them and bring them to Christ. Lord, for those of us who know you, I pray that we'd realize that you've put those things in our carts so that we could be stewards over them and use them wisely for your eternal glory and to bless people around us for eternity. And so I pray that we would do that. Bless us and guide us as we consider these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you have a spiritual need and would like to speak to someone who can help you, you can email us at help at calkinsbaptistchurch.com. Remember that Calkins is spelled C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Again, that email address is help at calkinsbaptistchurch.com. If you would like to see some of the original video sermons of this series on the messages of Christ, you can find them on our Facebook page at Calkins Baptist Church. If you know someone who is shut in or otherwise unable to attend church in person, we live stream our service weekly. You can look for that service to be streaming starting in just a few moments at approximately 10 a.m. on our Facebook page. We also are just beginning to put videos of our services on YouTube. So if you don't have Facebook and would like to view a message, you can search for Calkins Baptist Church and you'll find the beginning of our presence there. If you would like to share this radio message with a friend, you can find a link to our podcast on our Facebook page. Just look for a radio bold icon on our feed. As we leave you today, we pray that this broadcast has been a beacon of hope in your life to point you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. May God's richest blessings come upon you. Thanks for listening.